Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Entitled Sermon on the Mount, known as the Beatitudes. <laughs> uh, remember, the Beatitudes is, is, a, is our word. It's not in the Bible. Um, but it, it has a meaning. And um, the meaning of Beatitude from the Latin, and it's a Latin word, Beatrice, that really means, in, in Latin, it means a happy uh, circumstance in a good place emotionally, you know, so we kind of figure what that means. It may be a bit of a shallow uh, understanding, um, but uh, the Greek word that we use there is far more powerful, but it is it's certainly is translated as blessed or blessed however you want to say it. Uh, but that's what the Beatitudes, uh, that's what it means when you hear it. These Beatitudes, or the Sermon on the Mount given by Jesus, uh, is a very famous message. It, it's a very, of course, instructional, powerful, and uh, it's the peak of of human character, if you will, described point by point. I read about, I read uh, what C.S. Lewis said. Uh, he has one comment about the Sermon on the Mount. He was asked a question by a letter uh, about, do you like the Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> In other words, I don't know what the question was. Do you like the points, or do you agree with it, or what? I don't know what the question really was, but he said, I can't say that I like it. He says, actually, the Sermon on, on the Mount is like getting hit uh, upside the head with a sledgehammer. He says, that's what it feels like. Because, the, see, the issue is the, the, the morals and the good character and the things that we find on uh, in, in, within that sermon are the highest points of, of human development. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Now, there's a number of facts, and this is the introduction to it, okay? And, and I want to do it this way because I feel that the introduction, the time moving, coming up to when Jesus speaks these things, sitting on the mountainside, is very important for us to understand. So, so what are some of the facts and these facts are intriguing to me. Uh, first off, who's speaking? Well, when it comes to the actual words on the mountain, uh, it's Jesus of Nazareth, isn't it? Uh, besides all of that, he, he's 30 years of age. We're going to find that from other things in the scripture. Um, and, I, and that's also a very important point. He's 30 years of age. Um, the, uh, there's a, a, a phrase in uh, Matthew 5, verse 2. 
I want to share with you because it talks about who's speaking, you see. That's what we need to know first. Who's speaking? Matthew 5, 2, and he, that is Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them saying. Now, that phrase, opened his mouth, that's a Hebrew uh, idiom. That's something that, that's what they said. And they did this to make sure that everyone knows who was speaking. The person that opened their mouth, I guess that means that all the other mouths should be closed, right? But the one that opens his mouth, that's the one that's speaking. And it was Jesus. This was a very early time in the ministry, the public ministry of Jesus. Remember what Jesus was to become within these three years. We know he was born unto Mary as the, as the son of God, the Messiah, but no one knew outside of Mary and Joseph and a few other uh, uh, prophets. But Jesus was going to be, was on the road to becoming prophet, priest, and king at his crucifixion. He's all of those things. And he, he's, he is today, as far as that goes, encompassing all those things. And the next thing, to whom is Jesus speaking? This is very important. Who is he speaking to? This sets the tone and, and helps us understand maybe some of the things that he's saying. Well, the Bible says he's speaking to the Jews. And the Jews from Galilee, from Decapolis, which is, Decapolis means ten cities in Syria, if you will. Syria was just adjacent to to Galilee, um, and and the, and there were there were Jews everywhere in all these regions. Ten cities—that's what Decapolis means. From Jerusalem, from Judea, and beyond the Jordan River. That is east of the Jordan River. Okay. There were Jews living there. Also, there's another group. That's a big group. That's a real big group. But there's another group, the disciples, the 12. He was also speaking to them. They were also Jewish men. But the message, and the last point of this, to whom, is this. The message was for the house of Israel. Concerning, concerning the nearness of the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew records it. Matthew calls it the nearness of the kingdom of heaven. Um, he doesn't use the phrase kingdom of God because the Jews had great um, respect for using the name of God and to make sure they didn't use it in vain. So the kingdom of heaven, which says, which is really, in fact, the kingdom of God, of course. But it was for the house of Israel. Now, how about the when? The when can, can be pinpointed as far as the year goes, not the day. Uh, we don't need to know the day, but we can know the when. And we'll find out a little later on in this message the uh, cooperation of that. The when is A.D. 28, late in A.D. 28, 29, the very first months of Jesus' public ministry. That's the when. Where? Well, in Matthew's account, it's on a mountainside in Galilee, um, somewhere in the south, the southwest of Capernaum, 
which would be west of the lake, of course, um, in, in the mountainous areas there, also called, considered in Galilee. That's Matthew's account. Now, in Luke's account, there's a record in Luke, of, in chapter 6 of Luke, verse 17. Uh, it, it says this, And he had come down from the mountain, him and those that were his uh, apostles and disciples, with the disciples. He had come down from the mountain with the disciples. And it goes on to say, to stand on a level place. Now, this may be a different account, but I think not. I think it's the same account, but uh, because of all the events of, of both things, especially the idea that uh, Jesus had just chosen, finalized the 12 that would be his apostles. He had just chosen them away from the groups, other groups. He had chosen them uh, and set them apart. To do this, he was coming down the mountain, as it says in other passages. He was actually presenting them to the Jews as his disciples. You see, teachers had disciples in those days. John the Baptist had disciples. Jesus had disciples. Some of the uh, uh, Jewish uh, teachers, uh, Gamaliel and many of others, had disciples that traveled with them. They were students. They were learners. Jesus' disciples at this point, 12 of them, he presented to the people in Judea. We find this both in the Matthew and the Luke uh, accounts. So let's, let's start with the idea of Jesus uh, of Nazareth, his early ministry. And uh, as I've said before in, in my class on Wednesday night with the Herrera family, we've been talking about this and uh, about the Beatitudes. And the, the, the real uh, important thing is to not just not know when it happened, you know, somewhere in that three-and-a-half-year period. No, it's at the early, the early time, the early part of his ministry. Yes, he'd done other miracles. Yes, he'd done other things. But this was a, a time that the Bible breaks out. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, that's pretty early. Luke chapter 6, that's pretty early. Um, and it's in Luke especially, you know, Luke is the gospel that records things in a very chronologically precise method. Uh, so if you want to find the chronology that's really good, you go to Luke, and that's how we can confirm what happens in Matthew even. So um, I want to share with you some background. Um, in uh, of Jesus uh, early early days to to get you up to the point where Jesus sits down on the side of that hill and starts talking okay and the first thing I want to go to is Luke chapter 3 Luke chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 This, this sets our time, our date, for all of this that's happening. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetriarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetriarch of the region of Etura, 
and the trickiest and li li licentious tetrarch of Albany in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. There were two high priests there. The word of God came unto John, that is John the, ba John, John the Immerser, John the Baptist, the son of Zach Zacharias in the wilderness. See, this is just before the beginning of John's ministry. Okay? Was in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius. That's pretty specific. And he came unto all the region around about the Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance unto remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make yet ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now that's the beginning of John's work. Did you remember that John uh, was six months older than Jesus? In this year of th this age of 30 that I mentioned to you that Jesus was, John was also 30. And see, John as a priest, matter of fact, Jewish ministries, men in the, in the ministry or performing these tasks, began their work at the age of 30. Now that's something we know. And that's what occurred. And John began this work. Uh, as it says, on the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. We know exactly what date that was. And, I'll sh and uh, that was uh, 29, uh, A.D. 29. All right? A.D. 29. Now, let's read on. <coughs> uh, before we, we go to the next passage. Um, Jesus had had come to as, as we go on through there Jesus had come to John very early on probably six months after he had started uh, or a little longer and uh, he had came to John to be baptized remember to fulfill all righteousness and we see that the Bible gives us this precise timetable uh, with John and Jesus. And knowing that they're both uh, going to be 30 years old at the same time really, really nails it down, doesn't it? These are the first days of Jesus' ministry. They're the first days of John the Baptist, although he started earlier. And then when we go to Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. Now it came to pass when all the people were baptized that Jesus also having been baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form as a dove upon him. And a voice came out of heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself, 
when he began to teach, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of hiding. Everything is, is, works together here. The 30 years of age issue began teaching, it says. And this is the same time of uh, the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. He was baptized by John. All right? And as the time rolls on, the, week, the days, the weeks, and the months, okay? We, we turn to uh, Matthew now in chapter 4. And I'm using these scriptures because I feel they fit best the, uh, the ease of understanding the chronology of it. But when we get to uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, we come on to uh, a nice section here, an account that occurs just after Jesus had been baptized by John, <clears throat> just after... He had spent 40 years in the wilderness, uh, tempted by Satan. And now, as he leaves that place, we find in, in verse 12 that he says this. Now when he heard, that is when Jesus heard, that John was delivered up, he had been arrested, as you remember. He withdrew into Galilee. Now here we have some direction. John had been, John had been uh, baptizing on the Jordan. That's south of Galilee. So Jesus withdrew from the area where John had been and from those that wilderness he had been in, and he headed towards Galilee. So. As we, as we move on, we find that uh, um, in, in verse 12 through 25, the, the wonderful facts of, uh, of, the, uh, of the gospel. And leaving Nazareth, so he went into, into Galilee, into Nazareth, he left Nazareth and he came to dwell in Capernaum which is by the sea. Matter of fact, it's on the north side of the lake. And they called it the sea, of course. In the borders of Zebulun and, and Nephali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephali, towards the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people that sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them that sat in the region, a shadow of death. To them did light spring up. From that time, beginning, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, all of you, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brethren, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net, into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Come you after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway 
left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them, and they straightway left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of diseases and all manners of sickness among the people. And the report of him, that is Jesus, went forth unto all Syria. And they brought unto him all that were sick, holden, and diverse diseases with torments, possessed with demons and epileptics and, and the palsied, and he healed them. And then verse 25. And there followed him great multitudes from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now this takes us right up to where Jesus is going to be delivering the message, the Sermon on the Mount, as it's known. Jesus went north from where John had been, into Galilee. That's what the scripture says. In those early months of ministry, he called the twelve. He called the twelve, two by two or singularly, one by one wherever he found them. Each one he called. And, he, and the reason he called them is because the Father in heaven had given these twelve to him. He called them. They came to him on their own volition, uh, from their own decision. As a matter of fact, um, some of these men it appears that if you if this is all you ever read about the apostles being called, you'd think that somehow they just lifted themselves up and walked, and they didn't know why. No, no, uh, they knew they had, they knew Jesus. Especially uh, there's the accounts uh, uh, with uh, in the Gospels, the early part where John the Baptist, and we find some of these men there then. So they knew of him, but they went back to their fishing until Jesus came and called them for this ministry. But they had been given to him. And in verse 23, he was teaching. He was preaching. He was healing. And, and the large groups were listening to him. And they were following him through the countryside. I imagine that when they were with him, all the things they needed were provided in a lot of ways. He, he had a great company of people that were following him at that time. Now let's reread verse 25 again, and, and don't forget what it says. And there followed him great multitudes from Galilee, Decapolis, that is Syria, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Now, can you picture the, these crowds? Um, it's hard for me to picture these crowds, but if you could, just imagine. 
Now remember, this is a man that is performing miracles. Th this is a man that, that uh, just being with him, they could tell there was uh, something going on, all right? The Jews from the area, they wanted what Jesus of Nazareth had. They wanted to know what he, he was saying. What did Jesus have? He had wellness. People got well around him. He had, there was food. They were fed. Not just bread, but they were fed words of power and great promise. Jesus was a teacher like none other with power and authority, which was unlike their teachers of their day. All coming together on the mountainside with Jesus and the twelve, and hundreds of hundreds of God's covenant people, the Jews, and they were open, I think, in their minds to the, the God's promises, to his truth, to, to the hope that there was in God and knowing God, and it all came to pass. But before Jesus opens his mouth, let's talk about why did Jesus speak these words, the Beatitudes. Why did he speak them? I think the reason that Jesus spoke these words to the crowds is just as important for us to know as the words themselves. Because we have the whole picture then, you see. Why did he do it? Well, let, let's take our minds back here of who Jesus is. Remember what it says in John 3.16? For God has so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have life without end. Life without end. Remember what Jesus did in the synagogue? The, once in the synagogue of early in his ministry, very early, when he went into the synagogue with some of his Apostles, I don't believe they were all there yet. Sat down and they asked him to read a scroll and he told them what to bring. And he read from Isaiah 61. If we had our screen up, we'd, we'd bring it up, but we don't. Isaiah 61. It was a prophecy of the Messiah. And after he read three verses, as we call them, he stopped and he said, in your hearing, these words are fulfilled. And they were just a little upset with him because they knew what that meant. And what was their comment? Is, is this not the carpenter's son? Are not his brothers, you know, James, Jude, and Joseph, and are not his sisters here with us? You see, Jesus was speaking these words to introduce to the Jews the reality of the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven had come upon them finally, had come upon that generation of Jews, that generation, the revelation of God's terms for pardon for the sins of their day and for the sins of their father. And this was not a task that was easily accomplished. 
but Jesus was up to the task. He was up to the task, friends, as we read and as, as we see in the narrative of the New Testament. What would they hear from Jesus of Nazareth? Were the words, uh, it was the very words that they had been warned from Moses not to ignore. Moses prophesied, I think it's in uh, chapter 28 of uh, Deuteronomy, that God would send one like him, that he would send one like him, like Moses, that the words that he would speak to you, they could not ignore or they would be cut off from glory. That was a warning many, many years before that. So let's just quickly just look at the first beatitude here, and then we're out of time for this morning. But that's my introduction, and I hope it makes an introduction that they get you um, in the time frame uh, when these things occurred, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Now, what's Jesus say? To them, I want to. I'll read it to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that's very brief. <laughs> the Greek word here. Let, let's deal with that first. The Greek word for bless here is makarios, and what it means in the Greek. Although some get the idea that. We can just say happy, but happy is too shallow here. In the Greek, what they heard, what the Jews heard him say is this. Content are you, settled in spirit are you, in light of the faith in God's provision. In other words, because they knew there was a God, they were content and settled in spirit. And if they were this, then they could proceed on to what it said. You see, that's what being poor in the spirit was about. So they were content, settled in spirit, in their belief and faith in God's provision in all things. They were fortunate because of this condition. So, so to just say happy is not enough here. These beatitudes are in proper order from the Lord. I think that the order is important. Uh, this, this one being first sets the tone for all the rest because this is the first condition that Jesus was saying the Jewish people needed at that day, the very first condition. This is who they needed to be. Start here, poor in spirit. What's it mean? It's to be aware that God's word is your teacher. His, way, his ways must mold you. His thoughts must become your thoughts. See, this is submitting to the will of God. Didn't God tell us in the Old Testament, my ways are not your ways? My thoughts are not your thoughts? Mine are higher than yours? Yes, yes, yes. To be poor in spirit is to say, yes, God, that is true. I'm here to learn and not do as some do, try to teach God or redefine him. 
They are content in learning the ways of God. Their mind is open. And Jesus is saying, this is where we start. Blessed, content are you that are poor in spirit, for theirs, whoever that may be, is the kingdom of heaven. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? The Jewish people that day, that's what they heard. This was the most important word that they could hear. See, I, I really believe that what Jesus said to them to start with was the, the most important thing he could have said at that moment. The very best thing they needed, just what they needed. It defined the situation perfectly from the very first word. This is what they needed first to go on. When you get through all these beatitudes, you're, you're just starting on your journey, you see. But going through here, that's why C.S. Lewis said it's like getting hit on the side of the head with a sledgehammer. Uh-oh, I don't think I'm like that. But Jesus is saying to them, this is your reward if you are like that. Get yourself in order. Learn the ways unto salvation. God's son was there not only to teach them, but to pay the price for their sins. To take care of them. Even after he left, he left the apostles there to baptize, convert them and baptize them and teach them all that the Lord had commanded. So we will continue with these things next time we meet in way of the Beatitudes. And I pray that's been useful to you today. All right, let's have our, we've got a song of invitation keyed up. Jesus, my Savior, he rolled the sword away, Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose, the mighty is on his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain, his forever in the reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we are pleased to be gathered here this day. And may our thoughts and words, may our expressions and the very mind of our heart be pleasing to you this day, for that is our intent. Be with us now as we depart here until we meet again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.